Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on week three of Vision Life. All right, so today is the last Sunday of Vision Month. Today is Live Truth, and we've been through Love God, Love People, Live Truth. Habakkuk 2 2 says, Write the vision in big block letters, make it plain so people can read it on the run. So we try to make the vision clear. Not only do we write it and say it, we try to illustrate it. And that's why we have these amazing stick figures here to help you illustrate it. So we've been through it every week and we've been practicing. And so when you worship, you look like that. When you love people, you look, you know, so it's just amazing. Just walk up to people at the mall like this. And it, you'll get amazing responses from that. <laughs> and you'll love people, and it'll be so good. And, and so today we're going to dig into Live Truth. Of course, I mean, I'm sure you can tell because of the amazing artwork that that's the Word of God that the little guy's holding, okay? And so it's not a cosmetology magazine, but it is the Word of God. And so... What are you saying about me? <laughs> oh. Um, I'm not. RSW wasn't around when I was in school. I'm not school well. So, but live truth, and you see the little, your house, your church, your workplace. We believe that the truth of God should radiate from your life in every aspect of your life. And so I want to dig into that today. And... Um, I'm going to attempt to pull up several things here um, as laid out on our website. If you ever want to go there and look kind of at the vision and mission, it's awesome. So the vision of this house is to love God, love people, live truth. That's kind of complicated, right? Very simple. And uh, you break that vision down into mission steps, and we've done that for love God, love people. And today we want to break it down a little bit for you on live truth. And so the first thing we attempt to do in following through with our vision statement and the mission of living truth, we try to present God's word in creative, relevant, and understandable ways. That's difficult for me because I'm, I, I, sometimes I have a hard talk, time talking coherently. So if, I'm, if you understand it, that's a miracle. We did a good job. So that's why we have to have illustrations so that it makes uh, more better sense, right? <laughs> and so that's what we do. And so we've got a little help today. And so if you'll roll that first video, is what some people think about whether or not we do anything creative. One of the things I like is that there's always object lessons um, and like props. So one sermon in particular about rest and they had just put a sofa right up on the the front the stage and just the continual picture like a visual of when Michael was just sitting down talking about resting in the Lord and and helping us envision like God being with us on that journey and just sitting and resting with us and so for me that kind of fueled something that I realized that a lot of times God just wants us to come and sit and let him show us things and it's not like when he shows us things we have to go do them it's like let me just show you how things work and you know I've used that illustration a lot so a sermon that was uh, presented creatively 
that I remember was when a pastor was talking about an orphan mindset and busted out in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song and we hadn't been going to the church very long and that definitely stuck with me because it was very creative. I never heard a pastor rap the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song, which was awesome. You were on point, Pastor. Way to flow. <laughs> and uh, the sermon itself stuck with me, so it brought to light that throughout the years I might have had an orphan mindset, not even knowing it. Um, and so that really shines some light on that. When Micah was talking about going to the throne room, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit just came in and took over. And next thing I knew, he was on his face. <laughs> and Jihan was squatting down in the back, and she was very pregnant. And Michael's mother was on her face, and I couldn't get to the floor. I wanted to go out, and I could feel the fear of the Lord come into that place. And I realized that no matter what he said that day, he had already demonstrated let the Holy Spirit demonstrate, really, um, what it's like to be the message. What I remember the most is the day that I saw a hammer in his hand. Uh, he went up under the pulpit and actually grabbed my phone just in time and turned it on video. I'm like, something's going to happen. So I was trying to put two and two together. I saw a mirror over here, and I saw safety glasses on the pulpit. I'm like, hmm. I know Michael, something's going to happen big. So when he put the glasses on and grabbed the hammer, I started it. And he told a story and wrote everything on the mirror about things that would keep us close to God, that would keep us from getting close to God, like just different things. Gosh, I can't remember all what they were. And then he just grabbed that hammer and boom, busted that mirror and it glass flew everywhere. And I thought that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I have no props today. I have video. That's my creative way to communicate today. So clearly we need to break more stuff and rap more songs. I have no problem sitting on the couch more. I preach on the couch from now on. But um, so we attempt to hopefully make the truth that we're sharing, it doesn't help us to lecture for 45 minutes if you don't get it. And we could maybe break a mirror in 10 seconds and you get it more than that 45 minutes. And so um, we pray that God will give us creative ways to communicate the truth. You can't live the truth if you don't know the truth. Okay, and so... And if it's not creative enough to grab your attention, it's easy to tune it out. And so we attempt to be creative. We pray that God would, would give us those things and that insight. And you pray for us. Pray for the vision and mission of this house. Pray for creativity. You want to know how you join in? Pray that we fulfill the mission that we're called to. Pray that, pray that God just illuminates his word to us in such a way as a collective body that we can present it and and it makes it stick in people's hearts and in their minds. You know, there was a, I heard a story one time about a guy who was unemployed and so he was trying to get a job and so he would go down to the, um, like they have those um, staffing solution, what are those jobs, you know, job, what is that? Temp agent, there you go, thank you. 
So he would go to this temp agency, and he had applied. He had applied at multiple temp I mean, he was trying his best to get a job, hard worker, wanted to work, and just could not get a job. And so he went down there one day, and they said, man, we've actually been waiting on you to come today because you come every day. You're so faithful. We kind of held this for you because we did get a job today. And so they said, what's happened is down at the local zoo, um, their primary monkey has died, okay? And so in, in, in the interim time, they're trying to get a new monkey, but in the interim time, what they're going to try to do is they want somebody to dress up like this monkey and pretend to be this monkey. And so, um, and we just notice every time you come in here, you know, you're knees kind of bend at the right place and your facial structure kind of right and so we thought you would be the perfect monkey for this zoo okay and so the guy thought about it he's like man i've been coming here for like six months trying to find a job i can't be picky i don't guess and so he said i'll take it and so i mean this guy's an overachiever okay so he's dressed up he's playing the monkey right and so he's learning how to really swing on the bar, you know. And so he could just hang out in there. But like I said, he's an overachiever. So he, like, perfects the way to swing on this bar just real creatively, okay. And then he gets it to where he can, like, swing up with one hand, do a little spin, catch it with the other hand, and swing back. You know, he's like a flying trapeze, you know. <laughs> guy and so he's like doing this stuff and like he's starting to draw these crowds i mean people are like wow this is the coolest monkey ever and he's just so talented and then he like turns it up another notch and he gets it where he can like swing up and he'll do like a somersault catch the bar with his leg like the back of his knee you know and swing back the other way and spin and then catch it back with his hand i mean people are just like losing their minds at this monkey you know like, what in the world is going on? So, like, one day, he does his little thing where he swings up, and he's doing a somersault, right? And he misses the bar with his leg, and he flies over two cages, and he lands in a lion's cage. And so he's in his monkey suit in the lion's cage, and he's, like, freaking out, so he starts just backing up in the corner, you know, trying to stay in character, you know? And so he backs up in the corner, and this lion lets out this just huge roar, you know. And he like the lion starts just coming to him real slow. And at the last second, that lion's approaching, getting closer and closer. He's getting ready to rip off the monkey suit, you know, and yell, help, you know, and shoot this lion or something. I'm a human in here. And right before he's about to scream, that lion gets just close enough. And he says, shut up, stupid. You're going to get us both fired. <laughs> so the monkey jumps on the lion's back, and they ride around, and everybody's looking at him. And uh, this amazing, amazing time. <laughs> but sometimes that's how it feels 
pretending to be a Christian. We are supposed to live all these truths. We're supposed to do all these things. And does anybody ever feel like your life just gets caught up with seemingly always just doing what you're supposed to be doing? And you feel like sometimes you're just faking it. And you think, if anybody ever really knows how I feel about doing this stuff, they're going to they're gonna be so disappointed at who I really am. Because we're just at a surface level trying to be all those things. And then I see it sometimes church is like a zoo. And we're just all here trying to be something, right? It's not the picture of what we're supposed to be. But it is how we can end up. Churches can end up like fake zoos with a bunch of fake Christians scratching their spiritual itches and looking like what they're supposed to look like. But when they get pressed and they get in situations, they rip the mask off and everybody sees who it really is. And so if we really want to become and live truth it's got to be deeper than just externally trying to follow a bunch of stuff that we know. The truth has to be embedded inside of us, and it has to be something that we believe and that we live. You know, the Word of God is living and breathing. It's not some old document. And when you consume it, it goes inside of you, and it lives and breathes through you. Living truth is living the Word of God. And there's no faking in it. Sometimes it may be hard to do what the Word says. You know, I'm reminded when you swear in in court, they say, do you swear to tell the truth? What? The whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And I would say, do you want to live the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Some people want partial truth. I get so frustrated and discouraged sometimes, almost on a weekly basis, if we discuss the love of God here and they'll put up a statement of the love of God on our social media, it never fails that somebody will comment that what I said is seeker sensitive and it's not the truth and I don't tell the truth enough and I don't tell people the truth enough and all that stuff. And what's funny is they'll use a quote of Jesus who, by the way, is love. I made a quote the other day about doing something in love, and they said you have to mention the name of Jesus or it's not what I, Jesus is love. They can't be separated. If I do something in love, I'm doing something in Christ, whether I preach a four-point sermon and mention his name 27 times. But we want to use part truth. It's amazing to me. Some people want to use the part of truth that God loves everybody and nothing matters because his love covers all our sins and it doesn't matter what we do, that's part truth. God loved sinners 
You see him interact with them throughout Scripture, and once he interacted with them and he drew them to himself through his love and his kindness, his last word to them was, go and sin no more. He instructed them how to live truth. But what's amazing to me is they will normally use a quote of love's own, out of love's own mouth where he condemned or rebuked the Pharisees. Every time somebody tries to justify that we should be hateful and we should talk down to people, they use quotes of Jesus that he was speaking towards the people that hated people and talked down to people. They never used the quotes where he met the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And he said, throw your stones down. Well, he didn't say that, but he said that, right? And they threw their stones down, and he said, who has no sin cast the first stone? Nobody wants to use that quote when they're telling us we should hate people, right? Nobody wants to use the quote where he walks up to the woman at the well and his lead statement was, you harlot, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your own. Turn or burn, honey. <laughs> but he was concerned with her thirst and he was concerned with instructing her in how she could never thirst again. He didn't lead with exposing her sin. He led with exposing his heart and showing her his love. And so we so want to have the truth. I know so many people talk about Jesus flipping the tables over. God would not condone all of this sin. He, would, he, he flipped the tables over one time. Sometimes we should just be mean to people. You know who he was being mean to? The people that told people they could not come into his presence if they didn't have a good enough pigeon to burn. And so you can't come in here unless you buy one of our sacrifices because our sacrifices are the only ones that are worthy. So you can't approach God unless you do it our way. You're not good enough. That's the people that he flipped the tables over. Yet we think he was talking to the people out there that weren't good enough and angry at them. He's angry at anybody that tried to ostracize them and keep them out of his presence. That wasn't part of my notes today, but it felt good to get it out. <laughs> if you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Verse 4, I mean chapter 4. Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. 
So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard, verse 2, the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. And so we see in Hebrews chapter 3, we're getting a, a lesson in knowing the word, but not applying faith to the word. And so the Israelites heard the word of deliverance, and we read the story of the Passover, okay? And they had faith to believe God for freedom and deliverance. They did what he instructed them to do. You know, he brought the ten plagues, and the last one was that he killed the firstborn of all of Egypt, and they put the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorpost, and the... And the um, death angel passed over their house. You know that not only did they do all of that in an act of obedience, but they were dressed with their staff in their hands, ready to move forward. That's how full of faith they were in the promise, promise of deliverance. And so I think so many times we have faith just as they did in the promise of salvation. So many people believe God for salvation, believe God for freedom from bondage and slavery. And so we believe him that he can set us free from those destructive and detrimental things, but we somehow stop believing that he wants us to live a life of fullness and rest. And so they believed him for deliverance, but somehow in the process, they had a hard time following through with trusting him at every place. And it left them wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. One of the reasons we have a hard time believing is that we don't know what the truth is. We have divided Loyalties to what is truth. A, a very conscientious doctor told his patient the truth that his days were numbered. He said, you have one week to live at most. It's time to get your affairs in order. Terrible news. Is there anyone in particular you would like to see before, you're, before you die? So this doctor tells this man, you're going to die in a week. This is terrible news. And he's like, is there anybody particularly that I can help set up? Would you like to see someone, talk to someone? I can bring them in. And so the man says, yes, there's somebody I would like to see. I would like to see another doctor. <laughs> That's who I would like to see. I would like to see someone who tells me something different than what I don't want to hear. And all of us have that aversion to pain and that aversion to truth that causes us to have to move and do things that we don't want to do. So it makes us susceptible to believing a lie because the truth sometimes scares us. 
I want to see another doctor. I want to hear another point of view. I want to go to a different church. I want to hear a different pastor. I want to hear some faith or some religion or some belief who condones me to live however I want to live and do whatever I want to do. So we have these divided loyalties to the truth, and it ends up causing us to have no anchor. Ends up causing us to be just washed and tossed with whatever idea comes down the pike. And so we have to be rooted and grounded in truth. Here's one of the greatest lies. There's this new thing that says, live your truth. Live your truth. There's tons of websites devoted to this idea. There's 12 steps devoted to this idea. There's all kinds of enlightening information that will help you go so far down the road of bondage to your own truth that it's almost impossible to get back out, except for a light that shines in that darkness. Amen? Let me just read a little definition from one of the sites. Are you ready to live a life of truth and self-acceptance? Live your truth right here, right now. What does this mean exactly? It means to live your most truthful self. Inside you is a person waiting to jump out and live in truth and openness. Most of us spend our days living up to expectations and definitions. Those pesky definitions. Those pesky facts and real truths that get in the way. In this way, you, me, all of us are living to be someone different than who we really are. Anything that tells you to live different than your natural desires is a conforming voice and you should resist it. Live your own truth. This is a lie. This is what they say. This is a lie. Anything that tries to make you live different than who you truly this is a lie. It's time to live your truth and own it. You know, there is no such thing as your truth. There's only the truth. By definition, the truth cannot be different things. The sky cannot be blue and orange at the same time. Well, Except you know what I'm saying. As soon as you said it, Golly. Oh, let's see. <laughs> there are truths. There are some that can't be two things. <laughs> Sky's not one of them. The wall, the wall is black. Thank you. That wall is black. You remember when they had the, the dress on social media? And what was it? I, 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 ne I, didn't, I never got it, I don't think. But 
golden, you, some people saw this dress one way and some people saw it a different way. And like everybody's answer was different. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There is absolute truth. So, so many times, if you feel like a monkey in a cage, it could be because you don't really believe that there's one truth. And so you're so vexed in yourself, constantly trying to be a bunch of different stuff. You know, one thing about this whole live your truth movement, a lot of the statements are so good about being resolute to live a certain way, they just miss the fact of what the foundation of that life should be. 2 Timothy 3 16, every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. The Word of God is truth, written by the Holy Spirit, breathed out of the breath of God. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. See, there was a truth before you came around. So it can't be your truth, it's just the truth. And there'll be a truth long after you're gone. So it can't be your truth. It's just the truth. One truth. The only truth. The only way. John 8, 31 said, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Oh, live your truth and be free. If you live your truth outside of the truth, you'll be in the greatest place of bondage you've ever been in your whole life. The truth is the only way that you can be free. You've got to apply your faith to the truth. But, you know, faith, sometimes we want to muster up great amounts of faith and say, man, I have great faith, great faith, great faith. People have great faith in their truth. And so whether or not you live in freedom is not the degree that you have faith. It's what your faith is in. You can have a small amount of faith in the right thing and it produce freedom and wholeness. You can have a whole lot of faith in the wrong thing and it produce death and destruction. You don't believe me? Okay. What if I have a ton of faith? This would have been a great illustration if I could have found a way to do this in here today. All I needed was a pool and a freezer, way to freeze it. Mm, you know, maybe a chest freezer full of water, right? It would have worked. Man, I should have thought of that. <laughs> Staff says when I start thinking, stuff gets harder. 
So I try not to, specifically Chloe, but I'm not throwing her under the bus or anything. <laughs> so, you can have the most confident faith in thin ice. Man, I'm going to step on this thin ice. Hey, if you don't believe me, watch YouTube. You'll find somebody. Some, I think you can use this word in this context and not be sinful. Some moron, you know, will have a lot of confidence in thin ice. And they'll just walk out there with absolutely complete dis- disregard for safety. Man, I can just walk out here, and the whole time you're watching, you're just like, idiot, no, don't do that. So you can have all the faith in the world. You can believe it. You can say, man, come on, this this is perfect. This will work. If you walk out on that thin ice, no amount of faith is going to make that ice hold you. You're going to fall through. But you can have the slightest bit of faith in three-foot thick ice. You can, like, call your wife and say, Honey, I've got to cross this creek, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it. I really don't know. I'm scared to death. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I've got to try it. And so if I never see you again, I love you, but I'm going to try to cross this creek. You can have the most minute faith. You can be thinking this is probably the last day I'll ever live, as opposed to the guys who thought they could never die, and it's perfect, and they can go on it. But you can take your small, minuscule amount of faith and step out on that three-foot thick ice and stand on it all day and be secure. It's not how much faith you have. It's what you put your faith in that matters. And so we have to put our faith in truth. You know, it's, the Bible says that we're saved by faith not by works, so that any man could boast. But it also says we must walk by faith. So the Israelites were saved by faith, but they forgot to walk by faith. So the same truth that saves you is the same truth that wants to lead you, and you need to walk and live in that truth. It wants to be uh, applicable to your everyday life. Look at Matthew 7. 24, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. The word of God is not an incidental addition to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. We have to not only hear the word, but we have to 
apply the word of God to our life. And so not only do we want to communicate it in creative ways that hopefully will register and trigger and stay in your mind, but we want to help you discover paths to apply God's word to your life. And so let's see what some people say about that. I'm excited about hearing this. preached a sermon on John 14, which is, I go to, um, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And he preached on that several times. And that was relevant to me because I thought this God was just this God that I got saved and you went to heaven and then he wasn't ever a part of your life but he wants to dwell inside of me as being one of those places. And so, uh, he wants to be a part of everything I do every day and in my life. And I've been in church for a long time and I had no idea of that. I mean, I, that just never was ever taught to me. When, when you forgive somebody, as Michael was speaking about, the freedom comes in when it, it heals you. And I think it also, depending on the situation, makes a difference on that other individual. I feel like all of the sermons have such life application to it. And I'm always telling people like, oh my gosh, you have to look this up online and listen to this sermon when I know that it would specifically speak to someone in a particular situation that I've been dealing with. And as he talked about loving people, I, 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 for the first time I got a revelation what it meant to love your neighbor is yourself. I thought, oh my, I didn't realize. I always thought neighbor was literal, you know. As Jihan had spoken about, um, we see what heaven sees. The reality of life, you know, what's going on in the natural is going on in the spirit, and we have to learn to balance the two. And as a prophetic intercessor, I often see it that way. But somehow I didn't see the neighbor thing, <laughs> that I had to love the one in in front of me and and so I began to process that that day and it made such an impact on me beautiful stories of applying the Word of God if we in any way are meeting here week in and week out without receiving the Word of God and understanding that that word is to be applied to our life and transformation to take place, we're literally wasting our time. We gather around the word. We gather around truth. There's lots of people that gather, but the only ones that are going to come out transformed are the ones that gather around truth and know that truth is a transformational force that is supposed to change us. And so as we hear that truth and we're compelled to change, we come back to wrestling with that application of faith. Some things that the Word instructs us to do require faith. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Sometimes you leave church and you say, Upon hearing this word today, Lord, you must increase my measure of faith. Yeah. 
right? Just like the disciples said, oh my goodness, Lord, if what you're saying is true and that has to happen in my life and you have these expectations of me, then you've got to increase my faith. Look at Jesus' response. If you have even the smallest measure of authentic faith, it would be powerful enough to say to this large tree, my faith will pull you up by the roots and throw you into the sea. And it will respond to your faith and obey to you. Obey you. The power of faith is not based on its quantity, but it's based on the one that you're putting your faith in. It's him who responds to our faith. It's him who moves in our behalf. Man, I've just seen so many times throughout my life these massive displays of faith that seem so powerful and seem so energetic and exuberant without results. And sometimes I think we're like a monkey in a cage trying to act like we've got it all together and we're overachievers in our faith and we try to act like we would storm hell with the water pistol. And all God's asking you to do is hug your neighbor. We like to make these grand displays of our faith. He just wants you to do what his word instructs you to do. Even if it scares you to death. Just have enough faith. I love these in this video, and just over the weeks we've even heard videos, different ones who have talked about things that they've been inspired to do and just living life together every week, hearing different people taking bold steps of faith. Not steps that are flashy. Not steps that everybody can see. Not steps that lead up to a platform, but steps of obedience to the Word of God that are... Led by faith. You know, I was thinking about an airplane. Different people fly on airplanes. I remember the first time we took Elias on an airplane. He was a little nervous. I remember the first time I flew on an airplane, I was a little nervous. But if you go on a plane, you can look around and you'll see people with all different degrees of faith in the plane. Somebody who's never flown before may literally hold the back of the seat in front of them the entire flight. They may hold the back of the seat. They may pull the little bag out from the back of the seat and make use of it. Some people may, for the first part, during the takeoff and the acceleration, they may be scared to death, and then you may see them kind of even out when they get to proper elevation and things smooth out, and they give them some crackers and water. <laughs> then they hit turbulence, and they start freaking out again, right? Then you see some of these moderate flyers that fly occasionally. That'd be me. I don't fly frequently, but I 
may fly two or three times a year, and I have just a degree of faith that doesn't make me overly think about the plane and whether or not it's going to make it or not. I just kind of get in. Now, does it take my stomach still when we take off? Do, does it do all these things? Yes. But you'll, then you'll see people who literally get on a plane like somebody gets on a subway, and they don't even, they're not even cognitive that they're on a plane, right? right? They fly every day, everywhere, and they just walk on that plane. They sit down, pull out their book. They start reading. They've got this thing mapped out to a science. What's crazy is everybody on the plane ends up at the same place. The only difference is some people got more rest during the trip. And so there is this level of faith for salvation that gets us all to the same place. But there's also this place of faith through trials and testing and perseverance and repetition and saying yes to some hard things and seeing him come through and saying yes to some hard things even though you're scared and seeing him come through and saying yes to some hard things even though you're scared and seeing him come through that cause you to be able to find a place of rest and when turbulence hits, they don't even put their book down. When turbulence hits, they don't even wake up. They're asleep. They got complete faith in the process because they have submitted themselves repetitively to the process. So it has increased their faith. And so part of applying ourselves to the process and committing ourselves to the process is submitting and yielding to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So this journey with the Holy Spirit can be such a restful journey. But it comes from learning his voice. It comes from knowing his nudge. It comes from responding in obedience time and time and time again to the place where it becomes almost mindless. He speaks, I respond. He speaks, I respond. And it gets to the place where there's so much rest. Every time he speaks, I don't go back and try to discover and talk to another doctor. Every time he speaks and I don't like what he says, I don't try my best to go through and proof text the word enough till I can prove that maybe he didn't mean what he said. I don't, find, I don't spend my life trying to discredit or disqualify what the Holy Spirit is saying. I come to a place of rest in response to his word and I live truth. 
and we'll arrive at the destination, but we'll arrive there in a place of rest instead of constant turmoil and constant struggle. Play that next video, please, guys. So we attempt to give the Holy Spirit that place here. I feel like a lot of times the Lord gives me like encouraging words or sometimes real specific things to go and pray with people about. And I have that liberty to be able to go and like speak to someone. And it's really encouraging to me if I just go over to the side during a time of prayer worship in the service and I say like, you know, can I pray with you about something? And then just to see the look on their face and how the Holy Spirit touches them when I'm praying for them. And I, I love the fact that I have the liberty to do that. It's going to sound a little cliche, but it seems like each Sunday there's a fresh encounter with Holy Spirit, especially during worship. And leaning heavily into worship as a worshiper, um, it seems like there's a fresh word each week that's always on point. Uh, and it's always refreshing to know that the, the leadership, uh, whether it's from worship or during a sermon, that the, the leadership uh, is in line and listening uh, to the Holy Spirit. Third John 4. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. That's a powerful statement. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. 1 John 3, 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. In the Passion Translation, beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. So we believe that living truth is serving others. Living truth, the way, the truth, and the life is Christ, and so you could say that part of our mission is to live Christ, who made himself, humbled himself to a place of obedience and came and served. There's no greater joy to him than to see his children living in truth, not in word or in tongue, but in action and in deeds. So, we commission you to actively live truth by serving our body and our community. So just like in the illustration, we believe that living truth looks like living that truth in your home, in your church, and in your workplace. And so we attempt to establish a microcosm of the rest of your life. We believe if you can tap into your gifts and your serving through some expression, even in this body or ministries into the community, that it will be such an accelerated force that just causes you to want to live that in every area of your life. Tap into who you're called to be. 
And so we commission you and try to plug you in and give you opportunities. There's so many stories of folks who um, we asked to serve in some capacity of serving here that discovered something they did not know was in them. And now it's released in so many other areas of their life. And so you never know what you can do or who you can be or how you can serve until someone provokes you, prompts you, empowers you, and releases you to serve. And so we are committed to doing that. Show that last video. They had meals delivered to my house for over 11 days because Dylan even said, and I wanted to say this, Dylan even said, can we get back on the meal tray? <laughs> and I was like, no, Dylan, we can't. But anyway. That's funny. Uh, I was just overwhelmed, I mean. And so then that pushed me to want to do the same for others and to be a, the head and the heart because of all that it was done for me. And it was more than just meals, but fellowship. For quite a while, um, I've been really interested in learning more about operating in the prophetic and um, what that looks like in everyday life. And um, fear has kind of stopped me, fear of being wrong or not somehow just being shut down because I was wrong or something. Um, and so leading into the ladies' retreat this past year, um, Jahan asked me to be praying and fasting leading into the retreat and that really helped push me past that fear and um, really brought it to life and that weekend I was really blown away with how even things that I didn't realize would mean anything to anybody in everyday conversation people would say how profound it was that they needed to hear that exact thing at that moment and so I was like whoa I can actually live this every day <laughs> um, and so it's really been a, a spark that lit a bigger flame in me and but it's not dying down like it's just getting brighter and brighter and the hunger is getting more and more you know I'm trying to learn the violin it's not something I've done very long I've you know it was more of a clarinet piano player but I've always wanted to play, and then, so when Jahan asked me to play at RLC, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I cannot do this. So, and I still don't know 100% what I'm doing, and I just, I'm trying to touch, the, you know, rely on the Holy Spirit, but I think he's trying to teach me obedience and to trust in him to get up there and not for sure know what I'm doing 100%, but he's like, I'm going to teach you, and it's okay. So I think for me, it's like, I'm learning to be more obedient. I love the, oh my Lord. <laughs> my mom just said it's about time. <laughs> Kenny said, Kenny's like, thank you, Beverly. That's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> Be obedient. I love the, uh, just watching that just now, something stuck out to me. I love the contrasting positions. Somebody has been interested for a long time 
and this burning to do a certain thing and the release and the empowerment to operate in that and do that just fueled that fire and made it grow. And somebody did not want to do anything that, but was prompted to. And it's a test of obedience. I think the beautiful thing to that is sometimes we serve out of this great burning for a certain area, and we can't wait to be commissioned to operate in that gift. And sometimes it's not on our radar, but someone provokes us and prompts us because they see something in us that needs to be released, and it's our decision to operate in obedience and to respond. And so what a great picture, two pictures, of different positions today as we leave because we have serve team sign-ups outside. And some of you may be sitting here right now saying, man, I'm just not burning for anything. I'm just not burning for anything. Well, let me provoke you a little bit. Sign up for something. Involve yourself in something. Sign up to serve alongside of fellow believers. It's powerful and it's rewarding and fulfilling to serve. And you have no idea what that act of obedience may release in your life. You have no idea how that may align you with the kingdom and put you in position to come into a place of identity with something in your life that you didn't even know was there. And so I have discovered many different ways to answer calls in my own life throughout the years. Sometimes I'm burning and I know this is what I'm purposed and intended to do. And sometimes needs drop in my life and I know those needs have to be met. And sometimes people drop into my life and make demands, and I have to decide if those are demands that God is going to empower me and equip me to fulfill or not. There's so many times that it's something I'm looking for, pursuing, committed in my heart, and there's so many times that I get blindsided by things, but they end up being transformational things in my life that I said yes to. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in this whole walk of faith. Man, we went from the truth of God's word for salvation and sustaining to signing up to working kids' church today. And I don't know where you are on that. Some of you may have never responded to the truth of God's word. Some of you may not allow that truth to lead and direct your life. You may be living your own truth. You may be living your own path. Everything may, you may be expecting the world and everything to conform to the way you see it instead of to the way he said it. And so I don't know where we are on that spectrum. If you're at that place where you need to lean on his truth for salvation and commit your life to him, 
the answer to that today is not signing a piece of paper outside. The answer today is responding to truth, yielding your life to the truth. Responding to the truth of God's word, what he did, the price he paid, and allowing that to be your path of freedom and deliverance and your path forward of walking and living in truth. So I challenge you today, yield to the truth of God's word. and Submit your life to that. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you, God. And then, sign up. So God, we thank you for truth. My goodness, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that there is a truth, the truth. I can't imagine if the world was really as so many think it is. I can't imagine if we were all left up to how we interpret life through our own lens and our own perspective and how we feel about every situation. Forget about society. Forget about culture. Forget about where we would be as a nation. I can't get past where I would be as a man, where I would be as a person if you had not revealed your truth to me, the truth to me. So many times I thought I knew truth. So many times I thought it was my truth. So many times I was blinded to how I feel and what I think and what I, you know, uh, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yet you were so faithful to reveal the truth to me. And the truth doesn't waver and the truth doesn't change. And the truth lends security and stability and faithfulness to my life. And so, God, so be it in every life of every person in the sound of my voice today. Let the truth of your word be the foundation of their life. Let them apply it. Let them integrate it. Let it be core. Let them flow all of their ideas and their thoughts through the filter of your word. Let it lead them and guide them and establish them in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would compel their hearts today to serve, to step outside of themselves and open the door of serving in their life that it would be a transformational force to them. In Jesus' name, can we say, so be it? Yeah. I'm going to give an altar call today. Where's the altar call, Jen? Is it in the fellowship hall today? Serve teams? Out front? The altar call is under the pavilion. God is calling you to come to the altar and to sign your name in a place of service. Amen, amen. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.